What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. Today we start a new series on the foundations of the church. Our key idea is that the church is a community. There are some things that help a community grow and thrive and some things that hurt it. We are going to explore the things that put our church on a sure foundation so we can be proud of the church and be the community Jesus Christ intends us to be. Today is also Founders Day. As I've said, we are celebrating those who helped establish this church. Last year on this date, I shared about the history of the church from its establishment on July 31st, 1868 to September of 1961. The story of grace is so big and so beautiful, I had to break it up into pieces. I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to tell the whole story here today either. But uh, we will look at some of the history and celebrate this incredible community built to honor and serve Jesus Christ. So let's hear our scripture today from Segunda. He is going to share from 1 Corinthians. This is a letter from the Apostle Paul, and Paul has something he wants to say. Here's a quote explaining the problem Paul is addressing. Although theological errors were involved, the biggest issue was that people were not getting along. The Corinthian Christians were basically like most Christians today. That's what he says. So if there's somebody in the church you don't get along with, today's message is for you. Don't worry, I include myself in this group. I love you. All of you are great. But some of those other churches out there that I've worked with, there are some people that you could struggle with for sure. Well, the Apostle Paul has the cure for us in 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 17, and a few more verses from chapter 3, 3 through 9. We're going to hear now the word of the Lord. Where's Sagun? What happened? Oh, there you are. Come on up. Come on up. <laughs> now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by shown people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you say, I belongs to Paul, or I belongs to Apollos, or I belongs to Cephas, or I belongs to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptize none of you except Crispus and Gus, so that no one can say that you were baptized by my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptize anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For you are still of the flesh, for as long as 
there is a jealousy and quarreling among you. Are you not of the flesh and behaving according to a human acclamations? For when one say, I belongs to Paul, and another, I belongs to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servant working together. You are God's field, God's building. May our Lord God bless this reading and hearing of his holy words today. Amen. And from Luke eleven seventeen, But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself becomes a desert, and a house divided against itself falls. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. God, help us to be an inclusive community, passionately following Jesus Christ. We want to be your servants at work in this world to make it a better place. Help us to unite together, even amidst our differences. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. A local United Way officer realized that he had never received a donation from the town's most successful lawyer. So the person in charge of contributions called him and urged him to give. Our research shows that out of a yearly income of at least $500,000, he said, you don't give a penny to charity. Wouldn't you like to give back to the community in some way? Lawyer mulled this over for a moment and replied, first, did your research also show that my mother is dying after a long illness and has medical bills that are several times her annual income? Embarrassed, the United Way rep mumbled, uh, no. Or that my brother, a disabled veteran, is blind and confined to a wheelchair? The United Way rep began to stammer out an apology, but was interrupted. Or that my sister's husband died in a tragic accident, leaving her penniless with three children? The humiliated United Way rep, completely beaten, said simply, I had no idea. On a roll, the lawyer cut him off again. So if I don't give a penny to any of them, why should I give a penny to you? With apologies to any lawyers out there, how sad it must be for this man. It's easy to get caught up in ourselves, to only think of what we want, and to harm those around us in the process. That is a self-inflicted wound that also injures the community around us. Clearly not what we want as the people or the church of God. In my family, we are trying to be intentional about exposing our ch young children to different people, different ways of thinking and living, and some of the struggles others have so our children will learn to not be like that lawyer. 
one of the major ways we were doing this is by my wife, Emily, and I making ourselves available for foster care. A couple of years ago, we went through the classes, we made the necessary changes to our home to get approved, and then we waited for a foster child. See, we aren't trying to adopt children into our family, though that can be good and beautiful and, and excellent on its own, but our goal is to help children that have been pulled from their homes and whose parents are desperate to get their children back. We want a mom or dad to know that for a season, their children are in the hands of a good, loving family that wants to help facilitate the return of their children. We, we want to help them. Things don't always work out as planned, of course, when we were approved to become foster parents. We had a sweet little baby come into our home. She had been abandoned, but we loved her like our own until she was able to be adopted into her forever home. It's been a while since that happened, though, and I'll be honest, we don't wait with bated breath for a phone call from foster care. It happens when it happens, and it's hard work. It can flip your life upside down pretty quickly. That's why when we got a call this past Wednesday, we were a little bit like deer in the headlights. Two children had been removed from their homes and the state wanted to know if we would take them. The first thing we said was that the next day was the first day of school for our boys. How would this fit into our schedule? Emily was going to resume teaching here at the Grace Nursery School. Would we be able to manage fostering with that too? And that's when I said, you know, there's never a good time to foster. There is always something to get in the way if you let it. So we said yes. That night we got another call at 1230 in the morning and it wasn't until 4 a.m. in the morning that our new wards finally fell asleep. The next morning was a rough one, but my family handled it like troopers. I was especially proud of Davey, uh, who is so good with young children. He speaks in simple terms, he uses an excited, high-pitched voice, and he will get down low to play with the little ones. These are all parts of what's called active listening. You use body language to show that you are listening, looking at them, and, and ready to engage the world from their perspective. My son is relating to them in a way that they can understand. It's beautiful to watch. In philosophy, this might be called leveling. In sociology, it's called resonance. One person resonates with another by mimicking them. If one person smiles, the other smiles back. If one looks sad, the other makes a connection by taking on that look, that emotion. We actually rather naturally do this from neurons in our brain that encourage us to reflect or mirror the other person's actions. This is how we connect. This is how we naturally say, yes, we are a part of the same community and we are united together. Uh, it's also how I accidentally bought the male version of essentially the exact same striped blue collared shirt that my wife owned. That was pretty awkward when we realized what happened, but that's a story for another day. Anyways, this kind of connection with others is described in the Bible too. I think that's something of what Paul was talking about when he said, be united in the same mind and the same purpose. He is saying, be connected with one another. Get on the same page in your thinking. Mirror each other's actions as you all follow Christ. 
Here's the fuller situation. Paul had once lived in the city of Corinth. He preached about Jesus and dozens of people were convinced. They became followers of Jesus Christ. He spent maybe two years there preaching and teaching so they might know more fully about Jesus and could model their lives after his. Then he leaves and after a couple more years away, things change. The person who took Paul's role as the leader of the group is a guy named Apollos. Now, some folks, they really like Apollos. They think he's even better than Paul, the original disciple. But Paul is angry about this. Not because he's jealous of Apollos. No, he's mad even if you claim Cephas, that's Peter, the leader of all of Christianity, as your guy. Or if you say Jesus is the one you follow. Wait, what? Don't claim you follow Jesus. Isn't that literally the entire point of Christianity? Is Paul trying to put himself above everyone, even Jesus? No, see, Paul is making a point here. He's saying, whoever you say you follow, whoever you claim to belong to, Paul or Apollos or Peter or even Jesus, if you do it pitting one side against the other, you're breaking community. So, Christian leaders aren't trying to one-up each other. Our goal is very simple. For everyone to know the love of God and to live with love for each other. Christian leaders don't care who gets credit or who looks good. We're here to get the job done. That's why Paul writes in chapter 3, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. I think that lays it out pretty clearly what we are about here at Grace United Methodist Church. Our goal isn't to be selfish or to showboat. We don't want accolades or more money. We are all about God who gives the growth. And when you can get behind that, it can be a lot easier to be on the same page with the other people in the church. It's not about me. It's not about you. This whole thing is all about God and bringing glory to him. I love that the Apostle Paul says, we are God's servants working together. But then he goes on, you are God's field. You are God's building. He's making an analogy here about how the servants of God are focused on helping the crops in the field grow. Or the other, other analogy is that you are God's building. You are built up from the foundation to the frame to the walls to the roof. It's a step-by-step -step process bringing us toward this life of God where love is at the very center. So some of you here might think of yourselves as God's servants, which is great. But even if you don't, even if you just see yourself as someone who doesn't know much about church or aren't sure what you believe, you are definitely part of the building. Paul is including every one of us, whether you're a 25 or 50 year member of Grace or this is literally your first time walking into this church. You are part of the mission to unite together, to build up this community, and to love others the same way that Jesus loves you. What an incredible vision that is for who we are and what we are all about here at Grace. There's some history in this church that points toward this goal. Last year on Founders Day, I got up to the year 1961 telling some of the story of this church. 
let's continue on from there and see what we can see about how we are a community. In June of 1961, the Reverend Robert Duncan was appointed to Grace UMC. He was given three objectives. One, close the church in Patterson. Two, find a new place to worship. And three, build a new church. The church had to move because of flooding and urban renewal. The last service in Patterson was held on October 8th of 1961 and the building was demolished in December. This was not the end, of course. The church rented the old one-room Sycamac school that had been turned into a clubhouse and then became the church. There was a Sunday school program supervised by Robert Hartgers. You're going to hear his name later today. Of 230 members in the old church, only 60 relocated to the new church in Wyckoff. That must have been incredibly difficult to leave so, so many behind to do something new. But as they continued worship in their converted schoolhouse and built the new building, new members were added. By 1963, they were at 204 members, almost back to where they were before they had moved. In 64, the new building was dedicated. Then they set the times of the worship service at 9.30 and 11, which will resume starting next week. That's also when the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts started meeting at our building. There was also a child care center that would eventually become the Grace Nursery School in the 1970s. Listen to this group, uh, list of groups that used our building back then. The League of Women Voters, the Mormons, the Greek Orthodox Church, the Hospital Auxiliary, the Reformed Jewish Congregation, and the Lions Club. That's some serious diversity and signals an openness to others. We are relating to others, getting those mirror neurons working. The church supported several missionaries in other countries, and after the church sent their pastor to Southeast Asia, started supporting several children over there. Uh, by the way, I wouldn't mind being sent to Asia for a few weeks to do some missionary work, just putting that out there. An education wing was built, and a 100-year centennial was celebrated. By 1968, just four years into ministry in Wyckoff, the church had grown to over 500 members. That's 250% growth in four years. Pretty incredible. The church continued missionary work with efforts in the Drug Abuse Council, Red Bird Mission, the Homebound Feeding Programs in Patterson, Hurricane Relief Work. We even helped launch a new church in Patterson, cleaning the building, paying the pastor's salary, and installing a new furnace. Some folks were even sent as local missionaries to help that church grow. The four principles guiding the church at the time were this, to be biblically grounded, to be Christ-centered, socially concerned, and ecumenically oriented. By 1973, there were 739 members. This church was booming as it found a way to connect with the community as a united front. Our world is still desperate for a similar response. People around here need a church that will meet them where they are. We can't hold our nose thinking of ourselves as superior to everyone else. We have to connect with them. Like Davy getting on his hands and knees to relate to a toddler. Wherever the people are, go. Whatever the people need, give. Whoever the people are, care. This is what it means to be the community of Christ. This isn't just the history of the church either. I asked Tammy in the office about folks in the church that are living this way. And she said, yeah, there's Katie who specializes in recovery work. Christine is doing so much in her family and with the youth group. And then she said, oh, yeah. And I adopted a 26-year-old. Uh, my jaw dropped and I said, tell me more. 
uh, she told me about a young man in the army who was a bomb specialist who had survived three different explosions while fighting overseas. One left him with a traumatic brain injury that still affects him today. Uh, Tammy met this young man when he was dating her husband's cousin. She recognized there was something special about this young man who at the time was a non-practicing Muslim. Even though he had broken up with Tammy's cousin and had served a tour of duty overseas, when he returned, she invited him over for dinner. They continued to stay connected with texts and calls on a regular basis. She found out he wanted to go back to school and get a degree so he could help people like those whose lives were in jeopardy during the war that he fought in. He wanted to save lives. So with Tammy's urging, he enrolled and was accepted at Ramapo. While he was there, Tammy and Jonathan gave him a spare bedroom in their home so he could save money and have a safe, peaceful space to learn and grow. One day he met with them, uh, the then current pastor here at Grace, because he had some questions. Uh, after the meeting, Tammy asked him, did you get your questions answered? He said yes, and that he was going to be baptized and join the church. When Tammy told me about his baptism, she said there wasn't a dry eye in the house. Rahim confessed his sin and publicly affirmed his faith May 7, 2017. Tammy, along with the rest of the church, was the community of God, meeting people wherever they were, sharing God's love. It was our mission when the church began in 1868. It was our mission when we moved to Wyckoff in 1961. It is still our mission today as we embark on a new day for our church, emerging from COVID, ready to embrace our community. It doesn't matter who's in charge doesn't matter who gets the credit. What matters is our unity to build the community in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.